Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Barbecue Man, a.k.a. Derek Wood, a.k.a. Mr. Mayor, um, about his mobile food business empire that he's building. And not only did he give so much game in how you could make six figures working 10 to 15 days a year, um, in a mobile food business, but he also just gave so much game for success in life. Um, I have to re-listen to this episode because I got so much out of it and he just is always dropping gems. So listen to it and then listen to it twice. I hope you guys get as much out of it as I did giving the interview. Today, I have the BBQ man himself, Derek Wood. Hey, Derek, how are you doing today? What's up, Sabrina? I'm so excited. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. You know, this has been a great platform that you launched. I mean, what you're doing and how you're just educating and communicating. Listen, it's an honor and a pleasure to be sitting on the, uh, the virtual couch with you. <laughs> Well, I'd love to have you. You always bring the energy, which is really good for an early morning. And um, you're just a, a, a source of knowledge, wisdom, and encouragement. Um, so I'm really excited to hop in and, uh, you know, just let people know how they can um, start their own food truck or get into the barbecue industry. <laughs> um, how did you actually get into this industry? You know, that's a, a interesting uh, and, a, and a great question. You know, it's one because people think that when I started, like I wanted to get into the mobile food business. <laughs> it, it was actually the opposite. I wanted a restaurant, right? And restaurant have so much cost and there's so much money associated with starting to, you know, there's a lot of, there's way more fixed expenses in a restaurant than there is with a mobile food business. And so, uh, it was around the time I was getting out of the military, which is around uh, 2005, uh, that I had created this big old business plan to open up a restaurant. And it, it's funny because um, I ended up getting like a blueprint from a company. I paid this money for uh, a generic restaurant business plan, and I had to specialize it for the niche that I was going to do, which was barbecue. And I had these five-year financials. And it was three sets, financials for break-even analysis, five-year worst case, and five-year best case scenario, right? And so, you know, it was like pages and pages on this business plan. I had a, uh, a first, you know, business plan always starts out with who the founders are, kind of like our bio and our history, goes into an industry analysis, goes into my niche, goes into the concept marketing. Anyway, I walk into a bank, 
I find the location that I want to buy, have this restaurant. And they say, uh, unfortunately, this is a, unfortunately, this is a great plan. We've never seen such level of detail. Unfortunately, uh, SBA is not financing any uh, businesses at this particular time. So therefore, uh, we can't help you. And so I was, you know, I was crushed at the time because I couldn't open a restaurant. A friend, of, uh, some a lady I had met had a mortgage company. She was like, hey, you're great with people. Come on in and uh, uh, we'll show you the money game. You know, ended up in that industry for about four years too long. Uh, at that time, from 05 to 09, the mortgage industry is rapidly changing, going through a decline. Companies are closing every single week at a certain point until, you know, it hits all the way to the bottom and there's a, a financial crisis in America. Uh, I end up going back to culinary school because I look back and, you know, so much time has passed. And I'm like, wow, four years done just passed. And I'm still in this industry that I was just trying to figure out how to get the money for my thing. And so uh, going back to culinary school uh, at this time, <laughs> social media, marketing, all of that's changing. We go from MySpace to now everybody's jumping on a uh, Facebook type of situation. And as I'm in culinary school, I'm taking pictures of all of my food. Somebody reaches out and say, hey, man, I see all these pictures of this beautiful food you're putting up. Hey, would you come and uh, do my party or something? And that birthed me into the personal chefing side. So I got into the personal chefing game. And from personal chefing, uh, I started doing uh, little pop-up events like farmer's markets, little uh, town festivals and fairs and you know, it began to grow. And so that was my journey into the uh, mobile food uh, food truck space. It was the long way around. But what I realized, Sabrina, is I had worked in this thing when I was a kid. A friend of mine used to take me to the Caribbean festivals and all the international festivals. And I used to be out there working it. And so I had a, a fast forward rewind moment to something I had done as a, as a teenager working in these festivals it came full circle and now i'm the one that's curating the food and actually doing this type of business and so it was uh and i also had used to go to a bunch of the festivals and so mine isn't so much concentrated on the food truck but mobile food as a whole anything that's not attached for a restaurant so the personal chefs you talk about the caterers you talk about the food concessions the people anybody who has like a a passion for cooking a dish and want to get it out to the masses you know it's it's a market i kind of learned and mastered and i can teach people how to scale it. that's definitely a remarkable story i really like how uh you know it had its highs and lows you thought that you were gonna buy a restaurant um and you found out it's a little bit more difficult <laughs> to uh get a bank to loan especially at that time um and really you you didn't give up you might have got sidetracked um you know a little pivot but then you got back into it you got a little bit more education and experience um and you to me you really cornered a market you said mobile food um because the margins are so much better than a restaurant um yeah let, let's get a little bit more into um what that business looks like you know um what your mobile food business looks like where are you uh pulling up to <laughs> uh what types of things does that involve 
Yeah, so when I first started, it's interesting. I was in, uh, I was, I started like with a, uh, and I, I didn't understand the pricing and the margins and the money and the stuff we <laughs> talked about. You know, before I would make people buy the groceries and then make them pay me like an hourly rate for, you know, shopping <laughs> and coming to their houses and, and all of that type of things. And then uh, the mobile food started. I was just in the backyard cooking on my grill. I produced, it's funny. This is one of the first flyers I created, right? Very high quality flyer. Yeah. Uh, you know, went to, and, and back in 2009, 10, Fiverr was really only $5. There was Fiverr <laughs> and then there was uh, Upwork or Elance. It used to be called Elance. Now it's called Upwork, right. but it was a freelance site. And I curated my logo design uh, on uh, one of those sites and, Produced Divine Barbecue in Motion. You know, my model was slow down. Had this flyer design. I uh, had the menu. This is actually the first menu design. I'm looking at how cheap the prices were. <laughs> you know, you'll never <laughs> see these prices again. But then I was selling a, you know, a, 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 you know, full slab for $25. I was selling a chicken sandwich for like $5. I can never get away with that now and make any type of money. <laughs> Not with this these is my, food prices. my starter flyer here. Why, I, I, I haven't even, like you're the first podcast is actually seeing uh, this flyer from original, uh, from the original standpoint of where we're at, where, we're, where I've come from and uh, where I was at there. But then I would take that flyer and I would drop it all to the owners of barbershops, the different people in the barbershops. I would take it to the uh, the salon owners, right? And then I would come back maybe that weekend and I would have samples, right? So this is, this is me building my brand at this time, right? Because I was just going to continue to show up and I would come with samples and these little sample cups and I would walk around and just say, hey man, just wanted to bring out these samples, right? And they didn't know at the time until I had the samples is I had hot food in the car. Right? <laughs> so I would have, I had these little, I don't know if you remember the uh, crock pots, but they had these three little crock pot oh, yeah. systems and I would plug them into the cigarette lighter hole in there <laughs> and had a little plug converter or oh, this is old. And I would have maybe some pulled chicken in there, some mac and cheese, some baked beans. And uh, I would sell plates for like at the time ten dollars. They would taste it. They'd be like, "Oh man, where's this at?" And I would go out and make the sandwiches and stuff right then on the spot. And that was me kind of a uh, building my proof of concept. And then I would go hang around, you know, on Saturdays from uh, or Thursdays or different days of the week, finding out who had the um, like who had the, the the most clients on a certain day because I wanted to maximize my exposure. Uh, from there, when I got into the farmer's market, I tried to figure out when I said it's early in the morning, I started a uh, waffle and omelet station. I started doing omelets and waffles and, you know, really just kind of scaling up. Then I started renting U-Haul, getting more equipment. In early days, I was borrowing somebody else's grill because I didn't have my own pool grill that I could take to these events and I would set up. And then I began to look for the barbecue competitions and festivals. And then I would begin to go to festivals just to see what people was doing. And I would notice, man, these people had these big old huge signs. And the bigger the signs were, the bigger the lines were. Wow. <laughs> I, was like, oh, 
I need to get these big signs and put up. And then people would go out. And if you go to the barbecue, a lot of people would have these token trophies that they, because all the trophies look the same and they would have these certain things and they would say they were award winner. I'm not saying nobody fabricated. <laughs> a lot of the trophies looked alike and they would put all these trophies in front and all these signs because the illusion for the public is all, oh, man, I want some of this uh, uh, barbecue award right winning here. Award-winning barbecue. Award-winning barbecue. And so they would go up and it's just, it was just all wordplay. And I would scale from there and it would just get bigger and bigger until I would have my own equipment until, you know, I remember I think about the, the second year, you know, me figure it out. And I think, you know, the thing that would have probably helped me earlier, Sabrina, is if I had like a mentor. But I learned a lot of my lessons through just kind of like bumping around yeah. and like figuring out the more I had setbacks, the more I was set up for a comeback. And so I began to discover, like when people would invite me to events, I was like, oh, sure, you know, we'll come. how many people you got? And I would believe the first number they would tell me back then, I was naive. They would say, oh, we're going to have 5,000 people, <laughs> have vendors here. And I'd be like, oh, cool, let me buy food. And so for us, you know, there's a lot of risk involved because we're not getting paid up front to sell food at these right. festivals. We have to prepare in accordance with the number of people that could possibly be at these events. And so I would prepare like 500 portions and be up all night cooking and prepping and then, you know, drive down. Like, let's say it was two, three hours away. I would take this drive, pack my family in the car, try to get a hotel, drop them off. And then by the time I get there, it's time for me to set up, you know. And so it was, you know, one of the things is. I just did a lot of activity to figure it out and bumped it around. I didn't have what I like to call nowadays a fast pass, right. you know, which is which is one of the opportunities I give to people now is to give them the fast pass. Let me let me speed up your learning curve based on all the lessons and the experiences that I've learned in it. Like if I can get you to a hundred thousand dollars faster, right. right? Then it took me because it took me two years to break that six figure mark, right? But if I can get you there faster right how much would that be worth to you like if i can get you to a hundred thousand dollars like how much would that be worth to you i ask people all the time would you pay uh ninety thousand dollars in exchange for a hundred thousand sure you just made ten thousand dollars on a ninety thousand even if i told you to give me fifty thousand dollars for a hundred thousand like it's a it's a no-brainer type of situation and so in bumping around you know, I figured out the formula and the scale and I was able to then even begin to forecast and just kind of like determine what I wanted to make. I'd be like, okay, I want to do this event, this event, this event, this event. I can show people how in 10 events they can get to that six figure mark in just 10 events. Like I wonder what that, like I almost need to put together one sheet or say, here's 10 events to six figures, right? <laughs> Type of that sounds like a so good imagine, deal. Imagine, Imagine if you could make six figures just working six events a year. Right. Six days, seven days. That's, um, well, one, I really love hearing about people's foundation, really how they got to where they are now. Like, you know, you could really see in your face, you're reminiscing and you're like really going back where you're thinking it's going to be 5,000 people you're preparing, you're excited, and then there's the letdown. Like <laughs> I made all this food, and, 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 I'm, and I'm only cooking. I'm only cooking for ten percent because I'm like, all right, they got to get their cut. They got to get their cut. And then when it's only 
150, 200 people in this right. all this food. Then what? Exactly. So, um, I mean, yeah, just the entrepreneur journey where you, like you said, you're bumping your head, you're learning these lessons, and there is a fast pass um, to really any business, and that is to have Absolutely. someone show you the way to take your hand and be like, don't do this do this. So you could either pay through the lessons, you know, or you could pay for that advice. Everyone always has those two choices. And for some reason, people will be like, no, I'll learn on YouTube. I'll do it myself. And it's like, okay, some of those lessons are way more than you would have just paid an expert. <laughs> no, I mean, that. that's that's definitely a fact, Sabrina. I mean, when you look at the fact that me coming up in the mobile and it was it was newly booming where everybody was getting into the, the food truck, the mobile food space came, and there weren't many mentors. I remember looking for a personal chef association, right? Most people have professional associations right. and food truck associations were gone. But when you get involved with these associations, it's always not more from a mentorship standpoint. It's more from a regulatory and how we can be a lobbyist and how we can get laws in your favor. Like Food Truck Association, they were fighting to uh, get laws that allow certain people to be in certain, but they wasn't, you know, they tried to do some type of education, but there wasn't no mentorship Absolutely. going in. The Personal Chef Association, you might have had a couple books and then they might have been small in few and between. Man, I'm sitting here thinking about these associations. And so I was one who was willing to pay to play, right? Pay to learn. I went to culinary school. I, I joined my professional associations. And I'm telling anybody out there, professional associations are important to be a part of. You, As you know, in your industry, you want to be a part of the, the and even now I'm, I'm a part of the local restaurant association. Yes, as a mobile food guy, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of restaurant owner, uh, some of those other associations, because to me, it's important to just show up and be in the environment where other people are trying to go with it. And and together, you know what they say, uh, Napoleon Hill talks about the mastermind. Together, when you get in the association, there's a, there's a higher power that helps you all come together collectively with those ideas. So, no, mentorship is, has been in, in every area from leadership, uh, to professional development, to all, even to my physical, like I have a personal trainer who trains my body, a nutritionist, right? Because mentorship to me is the fast pass to me getting from where I am to where I am going to go. And Sabrina, when I look for mentors, I look some, for somebody who's uh, in a place that I want to be, who's already got the experience and accomplished something that I want to accomplish. And so that means they've already got there. That means I can get there, right? So I tell anybody who wants to be mentored by me, like, am I in a place that you want to be, right? Do I have something that you want, right? And, and if I can teach that to you, then, hey, you know, it's a mentorship. And and people don't understand you have to pursue mentor. I pursued every mentor that I had and was grateful that my mentor slowed down enough to allow me to uh, be able to be mentored by them. Right. And and many of them, I, you know, the fast pass for me was I wrote a check to get in their presence. Right. I, I wrote a check. Right. Because I understood that, you know, you either going to pay with one or two things. You're going to pay with your time or you're going to pay with your money. Right. And I realized that the one that's more valuable to me is time and not money. Right. 
time is one of those commodities that once we lose it, we don't get it yes, back. Finally. Money, we can right. we can lose money, but guess what we can do? We can always get money back. You know, money. They, matter of fact, I found out when I went to D.C. is they print money. <laughs> A whole lot of it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they print it. But time, I tried to find somebody that printed. They don't print right. it. It just, once it ticks down, that's it. Yeah, I think that that um, is a really, really powerful lesson for everyone that it could take years and years to get to the place you want to be. And you could do it for free or just paying whatever little life fines and tolls that you bump up against. But right now in today's day and age, and this is so incredible because when you and me and most of my guests, actually, um, I am seeing a reoccurring theme that a lot of us started around um, the last recession, the 2008 recession. A lot of people, there was no real mentorships like in all these little niche industries. You had a few real estate um, mentorships um, with varying degrees of success, but now there are so many people you know, it used to kind of be I, I, something I did, that people. I heard. did a real estate mentor. I did a real estate mentorship. I was in the Russ Whitney's. I was in the buy referral onlys. I paid. I used to travel once a quarter to go be a part of these uh, events as well. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, yeah, so there was a lot of people who were finding success in real estate, but there really weren't all these. Like now, you have trucking. You have event spaces. You have your mobile food business. I have my public adjusting. There weren't all these little niche industries where you could be like, I want to be able to make six plus figures a year. Who could I write a check to to teach me? And now it's like so many different programs where people are saying, I'm here. Come on, come on, follow me. Let me show you. Um, so I really uh, hope all my viewers will really take that uh advice that that is certainly a fast pass that you could get to six figures in six months to one year when you have someone guiding you and telling you like don't go here that's a pitfall or you know do this you'll make a lot of money like you said a one sheet you could give someone five to ten events that they could work on in one year and make six figures so they can yeah. work and, and, like less than and one month of Sundays and make six figures. That's amazing. Yeah, I, listen, and I found out time was most valuable when I looked at like our education system and how we were programmed, right? And I don't know where it came from or who came up with the 40, 40, 40 plan. <laughs> like uh, go work 40 hours a week for 40 years and then retire on 40% of the income, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, 40 years, 40 hours, 40% of the income. And it was like, okay, so I can make a million dollars in 50 years if I made $25,000 a year. I could make it in 25 years if I made double that, right? Or I found out that people were making a million dollars in a year. Right. Then there was a point I found out there was people making a million dollars in a month. And then I saw somebody in our circle making a million dollars in a day. And I was like, wow, time is really the more valuable commodity. You know, they told us that getting, like, I remember people used to say, man, getting rich quick is a scheme. 
I found out the real scheme is staying broke. The rest of your <laughs> life is the real scheme. And when people say getting rich is a scam, I realize, Sabrina, they're still confused about money. That's the real scam. They're still confused about money. That's the truth because we are part of, uh, we are in the same mentorship group and people post their receipts. This isn't, you know, about just claiming your way to fame. This is people posting receipts like, hey, I did an event today. I made $100,000, $200,000. So I want people to have the skills to make six figures a year and up. But there are many, 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 many people who are doing six figures in a month, in a week, in a weekend, in a day. And seeing that really expands your mind. So one of our mentors always points out that the, the real benefit to being in a mentorship is the people you're in the room with. Mm. So can you speak a little bit into, because you said you've been in a lot of mentorships, but how has being in those rooms really propelled you? Let me tell you, being in the rooms, I think environment uh, plays a, a huge impact. I remember I heard somebody talk about a fish can only grow to the size of the tank it's in. And so if you got a fish in a little goldfish-sized tank, it can only grow to the size of that tank. But if you put it in an aquarium, it grows to the size of the aquarium. If you put that fish in the ocean, it has the whole ocean to grow into. Me getting in those environments allow me to stretch beyond, you know, the confines of my environment. I remember, I don't know if you remember back in the 90s, it used to be an ongoing thing that people say, look, I don't want to take the SATs because they are culturally biased. Well, get it in those rooms helped me to understand the cultural bias, right? Because you don't see what's there in life based on um, what you see. You be you see based on what you're programmed to see, right? Meaning, like, I couldn't take an SAT because I didn't know what a foyer was because I grew up in a 16-story high-rise building. We had a lobby. We didn't have a foyer. <laughs> and so when you read those SAT questions, and so when you talk about money, business, and success, we don't know because we had, I didn't grow up in those rooms, in those environments. Most of the deals are happening on the country club or at the, at the golf course. Well, in these masterminds, they now become our country club. They now become our golf course when you get in those type of rooms and you begin to stretch. And what I learned until you change the way you see a thing, the thing that you're looking at it never changed. Let me say that again. I got to say it twice. Until you change the way you look at a thing, the thing you're looking at it never changed. And you will meet people with different perspectives, different upbringings, and have different life experiences that they begin to show you things in a way that you never look. So it's all about perspective right? And you begin to build, here's another benefit too, is you can now establish partnerships, right? Now you'll find somebody in the room who has something that's in synergy with what you're doing. And now you can partner together and build a whole secondary business from being in that room. And you don't have to convince them. You know that because they invested like you invested, that they are thinking the same way and they believe, and they have some of the same principles that you have. Three, you, you get you gain exposure from 
um, having access to even some of their audiences and being on some of their platforms. As a result, you know, people hear your story and like you, they want to interview you, they want to uh, talk to you, and they want to expose you to those audiences. So then uh, I get to grow based on all the people you know. You get to grow based on all the people I know because now we cross-pollinate our audiences on our platforms. And so the benefits are so numerous just from being in the room. Most people just don't, most people get in too just to say they in and some of the people don't show up. And so you got to show up. The only place that success comes before work, I think is in the dictionary, right? Most people, they, they see the glamour and all of that, but they got to recognize that it still takes work. Like you, you hear people say it got to work or it got to work, but I think people miss the work. Like no activity, no results. You got to have actionable steps. Like it's not what you know that makes you who you are. It's what you do with what you know. And so you got to take action and you got to execute on the information. And so getting in the room, I think has been a vital hack and, and success for every level of success, all of every area of <laughs> I'm possible. outside of personal chefing. I'm also in politics. I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. And it's also been a lot of those type of hacks that has helped me be uh, very successful. Yeah, I really, um, I would have to agree with everything. And what, uh, what many viewers won't realize is the hack to watching these podcast interviews is a lot of these high ticket rooms that I've paid to be in. These are the people I'm interviewing. I'm in the rooms with people making all these <clears throat> high level uh, side hustles or now they've turned into full blown businesses and I'm inviting them to be on my podcast. So you guys are getting the benefits of it, but you don't really get to interact on a one on one basis like, you know, like I do. Like, um, what was that last month? We were in Mexico together and yeah, um, yeah, cool. yeah swimming around in a cave singing. <laughs> Puerto, Puerto Rico. Yeah, in did, Puerto we Rico. So we travel together. Uh, we really get to build some deep connections by not just being in a seminar room, but by traveling uh, together, by learning together, by um, being at these different events with high level speakers and things. So um, yeah, I would definitely have to agree that that is certainly the fast pass and having a mentor, like you said, in every area of your life. Um, so you don't have a life wheel that's flat on one end. You don't have all this money and your family hates you or, you know, you have a family that adores you, but you know, you miss rent every month. You want to have a well-balanced life um, so you want people guiding you and leading you in every area of your life. And, and you know, it's funny you say that. I know people think that we're bragging when we talk about uh, going to uh, Cancun and Puerto Rico and Jamaica, wherever the places we go, Dubai. But sometimes you got to leave your environment, right, to, to get a fresh perspective on business to get a fresh perspective because in your environment, you, you'll begin to get tunnel vision and tunnel vision and things have become stale, right? And so you got to go into different environments to grow and to develop and to stretch yourself. And it keeps you uh, uncomfortable because you can't grow in the confines of your comfort zone. And if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And the question is, is it enough?
Yeah, I mean, I just want to also mention that when I did join this um, high-level mastermind, it wasn't because I had so much extra money that I'm like, okay, well, let me join. I actually maxed out like three or four credit cards to get in because I thought being in that room, being in a room of six, seven, and eight-figure people who looked like me, um, was, was that important. Um, and I, I still think it was a great investment into myself. So it wasn't, I had the money and then I invested. It was, I got into the room by any means possible so that I would start to have those six, seven, and eight figure days, weeks, (laughs) weekends, like, like the peers in this group. Yeah, know what they say, no risk, no reward, right? And, and why live with regrets? Again, we said they print money. They don't print time, yeah. right? And and most people are waiting for opportunity and they don't realize the opportunity is right there in front of their face. Look, look case in point, I remember hearing a story about uh, a, a, it was a flood coming and a man was waiting to be rescued. A man came in a truck and said, hey, Come on, get in the truck. Let me help get you out of here. He says, nah, God's going to take care of me. He's going to come get me. Then the flood rose a little higher and a guy on a boat came by. He said, hey, come on, get on the boat. The flood is coming. He said, nah, my God's going to send me an opportunity to get out of here. Then the man ended up on the roof because the water rose so high. A helicopter came, dropped down the ladder and say, hey, come on, get up here. We can get you out of here. He said, now nah, God's going to provide me an opportunity. Well, the water ended up coming up. The man drowned and died. And when he got to heaven, he, he asked God, he said, well, why didn't you send me an opportunity? He said, you remember that truck? You remember that boat? And do you remember that helicopter? They were all opportunities that you turned down because you probably thought it was a scam. You you probably were still confused about money. When there's all the times there's opportunities, right? Even us having this conversation on the podcast and people listening or people seeing the snippets that we put out on, on different social media sites, right? And we put these snippets out for you to hear it. It's not for you not to take action. It's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. Every time one of these nuggets come at you, it's your job to either get in the truck, to get on the boat, or to get on the helicopter. Don't don't miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. That was perfectly put. Um, exactly. Take advantage of all these opportunities. Act on all these nuggets. Don't wait because, like, you know, they're not printing more time. You know, how, what's your biggest expense in life is not knowing how to make a million dollars. So every year you don't invest in yourself to learn that those that's lost opportunity costs. That's lost millionaire status. That's lost vacations. That's lost time that you should be in your mansion. Um, So learn to make that six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 figures. And if you don't have anyone in your circle, who's making that, you have to pay to get into that circle. There's really not too many other ways that I could think to get it done if, you know, you don't have trust fund parents or, you know, their country club friends. Like you said, the country club is the the mentorships and inner circles. 
and, and let me say this, Sabrina, because I think people hearing this and and almost like we're telling them to pay. Paying has nothing to do with the person you're paying to get into mentorship. Let me let me make that plain. It has everything to do with your mentality because you have to let go. Paying says, I value my time more than I value this money. I think y'all missed it. Sabrina said she maxed out every card she had to get into mentorship because it wasn't about the money. It was about how can she begin to save time? How can she find a system to save herself time, energy, and money? That's a system. How can she find a system to save herself time, energy, and money, right? So that she doesn't have to worry about money and money will just be attracted to her, right? So paying has everything to do with you mentally in your mindset, right? Because not only when you pay, you pay attention, but when you pay, it shows that you value the time more than you got the money. I think the master teacher Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your mind is, right? And so which one is your treasure? Is it your time or is it your money? But this is a whole clip right there. Yeah, we're definitely going to use that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, on that note, we're going to get into the Rainmaker round. Uh, Derek, I got a few final questions. <laughs> Come on and wait on me. Hey, listen, I'm the most entertaining guy. He is a lot of fun. Like, we were breaking out into groups um, to go on some excursions, and I did whatever I could to be in his group. He brings the music, he brings the fun, and he brings the energy wherever he goes. So I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to be in this group. Uh, we... Guys, that we were swimming through a cave. We, uh, what else did we do? We did some zip lining, uh, climbing up. Some, <laughs> I was terrible. Yeah, horse, horseback riding, yeah. zip lining, we know, four wheeling. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of fun in these groups. Well, our group is a little bit different. Um, they, yeah, you know, we fellowship, yeah, we have yeah. fun together, and we learn together, and we, we premium. When you're a premium buyer, eventually you'll become a premium seller. Yeah, so that's where we're all headed to those premium prices. And in order, to, in order to be a premium seller, you got to first be a premium buyer because it's it's in your mindset. You got to let go of something. You got to release some things. I'm, I'm ready for the rainmaker round. Okay, Let's go. here we go. So here's what I want to know. What, what book are you reading right now? Ooh, that's a great question. I, I got so many books around me. That, that that I'm reading. The one I'm listening to the most right now as we prepare to go into this next season is uh, Overcoming the Crisis, The Secrets to Thriving in Challenging Times by Dr. Miles Monroe, right? And it just talks about uh, a crisis in Chinese language, right? It means danger and opportunity as two symbols. And so when you go through a crisis in your life, right, what do you see? Do you see the danger? Or do you recognize the opportunity? Because there's a purpose for every crisis. And so this book is teaching me never to waste a perfectly good crisis. Wow. Like crisis is going to come in your life. And so uh, you can thrive in the midst of a crisis. And it's seasons. Like nothing is permanent what you go through. And so this is a great book as the world is talking doom and gloom and recession. It's just one of the ones I go back to because you can't overcome your crisis by seeing it as an opportunity, right? Because again, you don't see what's there. You see what you've been programmed to see. 
And so a good book always reprograms your mind and your thinking. I love that. That actually gave me chills when you said that uh, crisis in Chinese means both danger and opportunity. Yeah, danger. It's two symbols, one danger, one opportunity. So you recognize the danger, but you also got to see the opportunity. And I think that was a quote, John F. Kennedy. If you Google the quote or crisis by John F. Kennedy, you will see him talk about the danger and opportunity. It's two symbols, two strokes of the pen in Chinese. And so there is a secret to thriving in a crisis. And it's all about how you manage it. Like whatever you mismanage, you lose. And whatever you manage well, uh, you gain uh, some great principles. These and a lot of books by Dr. Miles Monroe are all principle based, meaning they're timeless. They transcend time. He wrote this book right after the financial crisis. And so to just tell people that you can thrive in a crisis. And now here it is. You see the ebbs and flow right. in the seasons of crisis and they come back. And so uh, it's a great question. I always uh, I listen to books on Audible, too how to make more offers, uh, the magic of thinking big, success principles. I try to go through a book a month on Audible just to, while I'm driving in my car, to turn it into a rolling university, yep. right? You know, because whatever entertains you, trains you. Let me say that again. Whatever entertains you, trains you. And the television is telling a vision, but you get you a good self-help, self-development book, it will entertain and train you to develop yourself. Self-development. Love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, more fortunes are made during times of crisis than at any other time. So why is that? Because there are some people who will inherently see the opportunity and there are some people who will inherently run from what they perceive to be danger. So as there's talk about doom and gloom and everything, um, um, I'm gearing up. I, you know, I see the writing on the wall. I'm ready for my opportunities. I'm ready for this to be my season. Um, so don't, don't let a good crisis go to waste. I don't know who said that, but. <laughs> yeah, don't wait. He, Dr. Miles Monroe. He oh, said, let, let, yeah, let, let, listen to the, just the first paragraph in this book. Cause I just want to show you how relevant this was written in like 2009, 10. He said, the world is in a crisis. However, in the past, there's no such concept as a global crisis. He says, globalization is a modern term that describes the collapse of many barriers between nations, distance, uh, culture, trade, tariffs, and access to global communities. This new international phenomenon began with modern travel, increased the innovation of radio, television, telephone. These inventions changed planet Earth forever. And the result is we have a global interdependency on nations. And he just talks about that. So when one nation collapses and one nation is in a crisis, we're all in a crisis. Absolutely. absolutely. And so it says we're in a crisis right now. And so you got to be able to convert your crisis and find the opportunity in your crisis. Well, yeah, that's definitely very relevant. So if you're putting together a book list, that should jump to the top just so you're ready to capitalize <laughs> and you don't get swept out to sea uh, with the rest. You can't you can't you can thrive in a crisis. Absolutely. Um, so. If someone is looking to start their own mobile food business, whether that be, like you said, personal chef, food truck, uh, ghost kitchen, deliveries, any of those uh, things, 
is there a book that you could recommend that they could read that would help them in that journey? Ooh, to get started. I don't think there's many books. There's there's resource. I've created a course actually, uh, BB, uh, bbqbusinessclass.com, bbqbusinessclass.com. I know it says barbecue, but it's pretty generic on how to get into the mobile food business, the different ways uh, you can make money, the different ways that you can raise capital, the different ways that you can really get started up, the mindset of what it takes to be in a mobile food business, the tenacity you gotta have. Uh, all of that is embodied in the course, bbqbusinessclass.com. Um, there's a food truck for idiot book for dummies. There's uh, there's so many different books. I don't and. For whatever reason, some of them books lose their timeliness as laws and stuff change. A lot of them focus on regulation side, on getting in. I really, in my course, Sabrina, I talk about the business aspect, how to be able to look at the opportunities and where it is to find money. You know, uh, I guess it's a humble plug for my class, but bbqbusinessclass.com, I think is a great resource for people who are looking to get into the mobile food space, whether they're a caterer, personal chef, they got a ghost chicken, delivery service, food truck. Uh, I really want to show them step-by-step step, uh, how to uh, get to the point where they're making over six figures, over $10,000 a month just doing this game. No doubt. I do think that um, just based on the blueprint we were given, your course will probably be the best course of action for people wanting to get started. Uh, you seem like you give a really all-encompassing approach and the little jewels and how to make six figures your first year, which is what we are aiming to do in this group. Because um, so I mean, I got so much. Like if they want to know the numbers and I give them one, this, if I had to give them a book, right? The Everything Guide to Starting and Running a Restaurant. This talks about restaurant. And this is written from a CPA, right? A certified public accountant, Ronald Lee. Uh, secrets to start and he goes through the numbers side and the mindset of business of a restaurant and so did the, the everything guide to starting and running a restaurant now it's not for the mobile food business but you can take these principles and apply it in there you see i go I said, let me just go and uh pull that up off my book because you know i got some stuff on this is my small book show here. <laughs> you know i got you got a library somewhere. I, I bet you do because you are one of the people I value because you kind of speak in quotes and people who speak in quotes usually read a lot. So with that, what is your favorite quote? Who it's, it's become lately, you know, your destiny is not ahead of you, but it's trapped on the inside of you. And also the greatest tragedy in life is not death but as you live in your life without purpose, right? Death is permanent, right? And when you die, but you take everything that you have on the inside of you with you to the grave, then you've cheated the rest of humanity of the gift that was on the inside of you, right? And so there's something great on the inside that you got to give a birth. And so you dying with your purpose on the inside of you, like that's like throwing a, a seed in the trash. You didn't just throw a seed in the trash. You just threw a whole forest in the trash, 
Like the death of a seed is actually the death of a forest. Like what is the world going to lose because you didn't write that book, because you didn't start that business, because you didn't release those ideas and those dreams that was on the inside of you? What would you take to the grave if you died today that you haven't released out of there? Certain dreams. And so the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's you to live your life without purpose. And then second, your destiny is not ahead of you. It's trapped on the inside of you. You just got to become, right? And it's the process of becoming, right? It's not the journey that's important, but it's the process. It's who you become along the journey. Yeah, those were, uh, that was deep. <laughs> I've got to say that um, that was very profound because it almost, a lot of us are living feeling like we're not good enough to release what's inside of us. Like we live in shame, we live in doubt. And your quote is actually kind of flipping it and saying like, it's kind of selfish almost to not release these things, to deprive everyone of your giving gifts and talents because God doesn't give us all the same inclinations, abilities, dreams, and gifts equally. So if you have them and you're not living it, it's, it's, it's selfish. So yeah, the, the original purpose of a gift was to, to give a gift away. Like you don't get gifts. A lot of people now they get gifts for themselves, but a, the purpose of a gift is to give it away. Like what you have is to benefit all of humanity, right? Which you have, like the hand, the hand by itself. If you look at my hand, my hand can't do nothing for my hand. But when I apply my hand to the rest of the body, there's a huge benefit. And the gifts and the talents that we have is to benefit everybody else and not just ourselves. That was that was good. Hope everyone caught that, uh, especially if you're living in fear and doubt and thinking you're not good enough. I think that that's a really good lesson is that we are all good enough and we are <clears throat> supposed to be living in our gift and letting that light shine. Everybody was born to have dominion over a certain gift or talent. Like they have their own kingdom. Like I have this mobile food kingdom that I'm dominating. You have your own you know, uh, kingdom that you dominate, right? Michael Jordan, when you think of him, you think of a whole king, you think of the basketball kingdom, Venus and Serena, you think of the tennis kingdom, Tiger Woods, you think, you associate them, like what are you gonna be associated with? Like when they say your name, they should associate you with your domain, with your gift. Like when you go to a tree, you don't just call it a tree, you be like, that's an apple tree. Oh, wait, wait, that's a, mango tree because you don't go to the tree to admire the the roots and the dirt and the soil that is in you don't go to the tree to admire the wide trunk but when you go to a tree you go because you're looking for oh my gosh look at that that's an oh. that's why when jesus went to the fig tree and he didn't see no fruit on the fig tree he cursed the fig tree he said he said i'm because it didn't produce nothing and people are dismissing you is because you're not producing no fruit and your gifts and your talent, that's ultimately your fruit. Wow. 
I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna go back and listen to that. I gotta hear it again. So if you're listening, rewind that back, listen to it twice more. That's what I gotta do too. Um, but what is the hardest lesson you've gone through that you're most grateful for? You know, I'm I'm grateful for having to uh when I got into the mortgage industry, be able to buy properties and then lose them all, right? To go through foreclosure and then to be able to buy a house again, right? And to be back into a house and know that it, it lets me know that failure isn't permanent. Neither is success permanent, right? So the lesson I learned was everything in life has a season. And seasons, the only thing that's permanent is God, right? And so seasons, whatever season we're in, it can all change in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And so just because we're in the summer, we didn't throw away our winter clothes, right? And so I recognize don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary problem. And so because change is the only constant, I have to always be creating the change I want because there's change we can't control. We can't control the weather. We can't control everything environment. And most of the time we go insane trying to focus on things we can't control. And so my goal is to focus on the things I can control. And so therefore I recognize from those lessons that I am a change agent. So I have the ability not to conform to the season, but to be able to figure out a way to transform the season. Let me say that one more time. I don't conform to the season, but in whatever season I go in, I transform. So if, if it's hot now, I know how to turn the air conditioner or, or get a fan and cool myself off, right? If it's cold, I know how to put on some things. I am a change agent. And so whatever season we're going in, we talked about thriving in the midst of a crisis. You have the ability to change it and to switch that shift. <laughs> Mic drop how moment. Much people, how, much, how much are people paying for this? <laughs> right? When you pay, you pay attention. Play. But, you know, just to give people a little taste, a little taste. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. your mind opens in, in shifts. So sometimes it might be closed and you just take one small step forward and one small step forward. So I'm hoping that. Even if I just reach one person who is sitting on the sidelines, um, you know, they take that step forward or they take a leap forward. And I think a lot of these uh, gems you've dropped, uh, they should reach everyone, honestly, whether you're wanting to get into the mobile food business or anything else. He's just giving you all your reasons to live in your purpose. Yeah. Listen, and my, my friend Willie Jolly, motivational speaker, has like the top motivational uh, speaking show on XM Radio. He coined the phrase, a setback is a setup for a comeback. Yeah, I love that one because it's so easy to make a mistake or have a, a failure or something that you were planning on setting you up and it doesn't go through and it just collapses everything you just stop trying to move forward because you think not the situation was a failure or it didn't work you're a failure so it's very important to separate those two things in that you can fail at something but that does not make you a failure and some of people's biggest failures 
are what pivots them into the six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve figure realm. So, you know, sometimes the failure is really that you were thinking too small. You were dreaming too small, and that's the setup mm. for for your true purpose, which is grander than you imagined for yourself. Absolutely. Okay. And I know what everyone's going to want to know is how can we get more from the barbecue man? How can we follow you? How can we be part of your mentorship? I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of this mentorship? You think you're coming for the barbecue, but you're getting (laughs) life-changing advice. Right. Yeah. One of of my greatest gifts is to uh, give people the gift of clarity right? To uh, transform followers into leaders and to help leaders become change agents, right? It's something I adopted from uh, the late, great Dr. Miles Monroe, which was, I believe it or not, I was in one of his mentorship programs (laughs) and I used to travel to the Bahamas to see him. And so it it gave me this, uh, you know, great responsibility with information comes responsibility. And so if you want to connect with me, I'm on uh, the majority of the platforms at my BBQ man, whether it's uh, now TikTok, right? I'm becoming this TikTok guy. Uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you can look up um, uh, Derek Wood uh, or Mayor Derek Wood. Most of you don't know him, I'm a mayor as well. Operate in that sphere. Um, if you want to get into uh, my mentorship, I say start with my class, bbqbusinessclass.com. Or you can go to applywithderek.com. You can apply uh, to be a part of this mentorship program. Applywithderek.com. If there's a, if I have an opening of cohorts, uh, that would be the best way. Uh, or you can send me a direct message on any of those uh, social media platforms that you see uh, listed below. But it will be an honor to help you to grow and to stretch you beyond where you are. Uh, If you see me as somebody who can help you get to that next level, I welcome the opportunity to see if we'll get fit. Uh, All mentor-mentee relationships don't work. You know, it has to be a, what we like to call a mutually beneficial type relationship. Like I can, I need to generally interview you and see if it's, if you are somebody I can help. And you need to see too, if I am someone who can help you uh, get to that place, you know, because everything isn't for everybody. And there's somebody for somebody. And if I'm the one for you, then I look forward to connecting with you today. Take action now. Like success loves speed. Right. And and the key, I think a lot of times people hear something and they want to act on something and they immediately go ask somebody else who didn't see what they saw. They immediately try to get somebody else's opinion. But it's going to be your opportunity to act on this information that you heard today. It's going to be this your ability to just make a decision to watch all the resources you need to get from where you are to where you want to be to just show up. So just decide, decide this is what you want. <laughs> And I'm here waiting. Well, thank you so much. I knew that you were going to bring the energy. I knew you were going to drop some major, major gems for everyone. Um, If you are in the Rainmaker Alliance, make sure you go and watch that bonus footage. If not, make sure you join the Rainmaker Alliance so you can uh, be part of the little backstage conversations that we have. Okay. <laughs> See, he's always bringing the party, bringing the energy. All right. 
Thanks, Derek. This has been an Alive Podcast production.